0: For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now look, y'all, it is crazy outside. There's all kinds of stuff going on. If you are working a nine to five, you're probably stressed out about keeping your nine to five. If you don't have a nine to five, you're probably in the middle of trying to get a new nine to five. Or maybe you made the crazy leap to be a full-time entrepreneur like me. You got the world on fire all around you in the middle of elections year, A lot of stuff going on. It's just, it's absolutely nuts, right? It's nuts outside. And I could definitely see, I'll speak for me. Look, for me, I know I'd be going to therapy on a regular basis. I believe in therapy. All right. Hashtag uh, black folks need therapy. Hashtag we all need therapy. We all need it. And for me, I can say if it wasn't for therapy being like an ongoing maintenance tool in my toolkit to help me stay level and help me realize that I'm okay, everything around me is okay, here's what I can control, that has been critical for me. And I would hope that if you have thought about therapy and if, or if you haven't thought about therapy, shoot, let's say you're like, like I ain't got time for therapy, I got, I'm too busy trying to make sure that these plates keep on spinning, I hope that you check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's completely convenient, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, keyword licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, which is incredible. It's very challenging to move around and find the right therapist for you. The fact that BetterHelp is providing that as just part of your experience is incredible. So find your support Get the help you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com corp today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash corp, C-O-R-P. What's up, y'all? This is Zach with Living Corporate, and... Yo, it is about to be Thanksgiving. Really interesting time, a sombering time, reflective time as it pertains to just uh, we're thinking about the year, right? I know for me, it's interesting because while 2020 has been a bear for everybody, myself included, I have a lot to be thankful for. I do. I do I have a lot to be thankful for. I am particularly thankful for the growth that Living Corporate has been able to experience this year, not just in our listenership, but in what we've been able to offer and provide, right? So, you know, we have a lot going on. We continue to grow and shift and change. Um, You should be hearing a difference even in how we do our show, right? And we're going to continue to try different things. Um, And to that end, I know that we said we're going to have to tap in with Tristan embedded in our shows for Tuesdays and saturdays and we will we'll continue to do that we also will have the tapping with tristan as a standalone on thursdays we want to make sure that for folks who want to hear just like that quick nugget of information uh which is great and shout out to tristan for being a top voice on linkedin uh for being he's tristan's making moves like for real like shout out to tristan i know you listen man thank you god bless you thankful for you one of the many things that i'm thankful for this year thank you for all of your contributions uh, but make sure that y'all check it out. Uh, the Tap In with Tristan every Thursday. And you can hear him on our larger shows on Tuesdays and Saturdays, right? Because I realize, you know, different people listen to different stuff. So, really thankful um, for all of you um, who continue to give us feedback. You know, where's where's the tap in? Where's the tap in? It's like, oh, snap. Okay, let me tap back in. My fault. My fault. Um, with all that being said, though, I'm really excited about the guests uh, that we have this week. Um, first of all, let me shout out, like, in, like for context, like, I'm a huge fan of this guy. He and I connected like years ago, but then we didn't really get on each other's podcast until, you know, this year. His name is Rich Jones, and he is the host of Paychecks and Balances. You know, Paychecks and Balances is a huge podcast, great platform focused on uh, wealth management, you know, financial literacy and wellness, financial wellness specifically. I really appreciate his content and You know, it's interesting because he and I connected. And when I came on his show, we talked about it, but not really more. So talked about like just navigating these spaces as black men and human resources slash change management roles. And that was cool. And I think a bit of a departure or shift from what he typically does. Uh, But I'm just really thankful that he was willing to have me as a guest because I'm not a financial guru at all. Shoot. Rich was putting me on game off mic. That was great. Shout out to knowledge and knowledge sharing um but we had a really good conversation and so i'm just really excited because i'm about to share the conversation he and i had on living corporate and you know i'm hoping that y'all get something from it i know i got quite a bit from it really blessed me make sure y'all check out paychecks and balances i have all the information in the show notes so just check it out and before we get to the conversation that i had with rich we're gonna tap in with tristan and then we'll get to y'all. All All right. See y'all in a minute.
2: What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. This week, let's talk about three ways to say thank you to your colleagues or boss. With the holidays arriving, many of us are trying to find ways to show our coworkers appreciation, which can be a bit more challenging now because most of us are working virtually. You can't bring holiday treats into the office, and coordinating a distant secret Santa would more than likely result in a headache. And with COVID 19 hitting many of us financially, I want to provide some good, free recommendations on how to express your gratitude towards your coworkers. So, here are three suggestions on how you can tell your team, coworkers, and boss thank you during this time. The first is give them a LinkedIn recommendation. These recommendations are social currency and can help someone look good if they're ever on the job search. Take 5 minutes out of your day to write them an excellent recommendation that helps convey their value or impact. The second is to send them an email that they can use in their performance review. We all know what it's like completing performance review self-assessments in hopes that you snag a higher raise. What better way to express your gratitude to your coworker than helping them make a case for more coins by writing up an email detailing how their work impacted you and the results you all were able to create. The last suggestion is to nominate them for a recognition program, either internally or externally. Many of our companies and organizations have recognition and reward programs that require people to be nominated. Most of us ignore these throughout the year, but they could be a great way to highlight that teammate or coworker, especially since they're usually announced throughout the company. There are also opportunities to nominate people for honors and awards in spaces outside of the office, which could be a great avenue to showcase your appreciation. Now, I'm not saying these are the only ways to tell your teammate, coworker, or boss thank you, but I think they can be some great options that also help boost their professional brand and capital. Thanks for tapping in with me this week. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
1: Man, what's going on? Welcome to the show.
3: Appreciate you having me, man. Excited to uh, kick it, have some fun conversation, and... And honestly, just just share insight. You know, I, I know we talked a bit before uh, we even uh, put this episode together. So I'm excited to bring that to the people. You know,
1: yeah. I mean, let's
3: talk about it. Let's talk about it. I'm really trying to understand.
1: You know, we talk about financial freedom and, you know, we talk about financial literacy within like black and brown communities and more to, like more specifically black communities. And it's the lack of financial literacy is which why we're, we're at. We're at my pain point with that, though, Rich, to be keeping up being with you is, you know, Initial capital is a variable that I think folks do undermine or like sidestep, right? Like T.I. came out with a mm-hmm. statement and said, you know, you should take your twelve hundred dollar stimulus money and buy property. I'm like, Ti, what are you talking about? Like, that's not how this works at all. Right. So, like, I'm trying to understand, you know, when we talk about financial literacy, we talk about pursuing freedom from debt and in and, and this entire space, particularly for black and brown folks and then more specific for black folks. Like, where does the concept or the idea of initial capital come into play in your mind?
3: Initial capital, honestly, uh, I'm glad you asked me that question because it's not something that I've directly thought about before. I mean, when I think about financial literacy, I even think about some of the past dumb things that I've done uh, in terms of uh, how I've looked at it and how I viewed it in particular. And even my experience growing up with money, where, you know, my, my parents weren't financial wizards. This wasn't, Uh, a topic that uh, we ever really talked about I sat and saw this table and 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 pay bills and you know carry credit card balances that were in the thousands of dollars and to me that was normal you know and and both my parents were uh, also janitors like they were custodians for a living so it wasn't even like there was like this like huge amount of money that come into the house so even like that idea of like first capital I don't know that that's something that a lot of people would even think about in terms of what their experience is mm. with money, you know yeah well no, I mean and, and this is the thing is not having initial
1: capital doesn't i don't think undermine the topic of financial literacy. I think for me my my pain point is like so when you talk about like black capitalism right, when you talk about like or making bread, I think and you look at these successes and don't talk about it is man, these cats had. You know, seed money. They had money. They were to mess with. Now, I get your point hundred percent. That, like, man, when it comes to like credit cards, you know, spending it before—if you don't have it, don't spend. Like, very, you know, very straightforward concepts. I think mm-hmm. for me, like in the in these moments, man, like LLC, Twitter, and Forex, Twitter.
3: It's <laughs> just the exhausting.
1: A thing, man. Listen, man, they be on there, bro. They talking about stop trying to buy these PS5s and get an LLC. And I'm like, I mean, okay, I all right, I, I get it, I
3: respect, all right, right. <laughs> all right. Uh, I showed me that last night, and I was like, really? That's that's what we're doing? We're trading video games for stocks? Like, Where's that conversation actually happening?
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's a, the, last, the last thing you said. That's another point too. Is can like over index, it over represents very silly opinions. Like, I, I you know, I don't, I don't think that Twitter. Is wholly representative of like the actual conversation, but I think it's I think it's a ver- it's a factor, right? But I did see a tweet, and it was like a woman said, "I got my man out of PS five because I'm built different" or something like that, and I was like, I mean, <laughs> okay,
3: they're not even close to the same thing. So the <laughs> LLC then requires work afterwards. So what? Okay, so he just got an LLC in his name now. And, right, like okay, and so what? <laughs> Do you
1: know how to like use that for your taxes? I don't understand. Like, what are you saying? You know, like what are you talking about? Yeah. So. Let's get back to it because I kind of I just jumped off the deep end with my initial question. I understand because <laughs> I've been because no, it's like, look, self, I, I was trying to tell folks, look, man, I do live in corporate for the people. I also do live in corporate for me, man. Like I want to have these conversations for me. You know what I mean? So like people talk about Jay-Z, right? Like, look, Jay-Z was rich. Jay-Z didn't have anything. And now he's a billionaire, you know, and you use these like examples of like like these handful of black billionaires or like or extremely wealthy people and say, see, anybody can do that. And it's like Jay Z literally had 400 K in untaxed capital from the game, from, from the block. <laughs> I was going to say activities from activities, right? He, he had 400 K that was not touched because in that, in that time, like the technology and stuff was different. Like you can't even have $400,000 like that. And nobody know about it now. Like that don't, that's not possible. Right. So it's like, he had 400K he then used as his initial capital. Now he's at a billy to- total net worth and everything, everything, all the vehicles and things he has going on. Right. And so, like, it's just a pain. It's, you know, it's probably just a personal soapbox for me. Maybe it's a big deal to everybody else. I just think that when you think about wealth building that man, like where you have that initial investment that in, those initial dollars from come from. So with that being said, as I, as I step away from that, help me understand. You know, kind of like your core tenets of like financial education and financial wellness. Like, talk to me a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah, man. And for a lot of people, it's it may not be much different than they've heard before. So I think uh, a lot of us have heard, you know, the idea of spend less than you earn. Uh, a big proponent for me is also pay yourself first. So uh, I know a lot of times people they will get paid the first thing that they think about is paying off their bills and getting out of debt and those things are very important but you need to make sure that you're tucking away money for yourself first setting up that direct deposit things like that so that you're always taking care i think people are realizing that now more than ever another aspect of that is uh, understanding the intersection of Kind of uh, your career and your personal finances and what you do within your career can set you up for financial independence or for financial freedom, given that our careers are the primary source of income for many of us. And that's probably that first capital that you're and uh, I happen to be someone that works in in tech in Silicon Valley. But there are also a series of moves that I've made to even put me in a position to be here. So I think part, probably what's a little bit different about how I look at the personal finance side is that I really want to tie in the career side of that because good career decisions lead to good financial outcomes. The other thing is you got to be investing and For me, I talk a lot on the show about investing even in your 401k if that's something you have access to. This is living corporate. So hope so. hopefully a lot of your listeners do have access to a a 401k. So making sure that you're taking advantage of that. The company match. I don't know about you, bro, but when I first got out of school, I was like, 401k, whatever. I want to have this extra 3% in my account, not realizing I was leaving free money on on the table. Free money, straight up. Just straight free money. And generate streams of incomes, and, and there's probably other things that, that we could talk about too, a lot of stuff that we can specifically, but uh, beyond the day job, even beyond the 401k, I do think people need to find other revenue streams, and that could be through a side hustle or entrepreneurship. I've also thought whether or not everyone should be an entrepreneur, which my, my, which my immediate answer to that is no. But I do think if people truly want to build wealth, they've got to do more than just go to work. Uh, they can get more heavily invested into a look at the stock market. But then also they've got to have some other streams, whether that's property, whether that's something that's generating income to really kind of truly build that wealth. You know, and so it's
1: interesting. So I'm on this. Um, this is not even an ad. Right. So to be clear, I'm on this app called Fishbowl. And Fishbowl is, for those who don't know, it's like a uh, semi-anonymized microblogging site. So think about like basically just post a bunch of little threads, kind of similar, I guess, but just more anonymized. And there's different spaces for different professions and industries, right? And so Mm -hmm. I like Fishbowl because there's a lot of white folks on there. And it's really interesting to see like how they think and the things that they talk about. Um, because there's just things that I just would not know. And so I joined, there's like little mini bowls, right? So I joined in a mini bowl. I joined, um, it was like a personal finance bowl. They talk about it in there. They talk about, you know, like index funds and, and different types of like vehicles. Because a lot of times, you know, you think about investing, you might think, you know, most of us, well, I'm, I'm not going to speak for everybody. But for me and my circle, we'll talk about Acorn, Robinhood and some of these other like platforms. But I didn't know anything about index funds. I didn't know anything about these other vehicles, these other investment vehicles that have like can have ridiculous growth over time. Like when you look at their performance over like five years, like I was looking at some. I'm like, how like how do you even know about these things? You know what I mean? And so like, what I'm trying to understand, getting from your perspective, when you talk about, you know, financial literacy and and, and even how like career ties into everything, like one, I guess and maybe this is a very overly simplistic question, but like I'm trying to think about. Give me like your top three, just your opinion, because this, this is not a financial podcast, but I'm curious to get your perspective. When you talk about vehicles to help you accrue wealth over time, um, like what would those top three things be?
3: Yeah. So for me, uh, I do take advantage of one of the robo advisors that are out there. So I do use uh, Wealthfront. That's the one that, that I, I happen to have some money in for taxable investing or having a, a taxable investing account. Uh the other for me for (laughs) for building wealth is I mean I am fortunate enough to work for a a large tech company. And so I made that for a lot of us the primary source of income is going to come from our daytime job. So I do have a strong base salary. I do have a performance bonus. I do have equity that I receive specifically from the company, then used to to reinvest uh through taxable investing accounts. And then I also do have access to, you know, a 401k with a strong company match. And then uh beyond that. The third piece of it is through paychecks and balances, or I will say side hustles. to me. uh, I think that's things that I'm good at, things that I'm passionate about that I can do to bring in money that don't cause me a huge mental drain. You know, I'm not out there in the real estate streets. Uh, I'm not the person to be out there just kind of like day trading. And that's why I take advantage of a robo advisor, because, you know, you mentioned Robin Hood. You mentioned some of these platforms. And there are people who are jumping into these things without having any idea what the hell they're doing. They're just like, "Bro, oh, I need to be in. So let me Bruh. just throw money out there. Bruh. Yes. Keep going. Yeah. So. <laughs> So for me, just tied just it back, there's the day job itself. And I think there's value in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, looking for promotions and jumping companies. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that um, on my show. There's uh, also taking advantage of the various investing platforms out there and the information that's out there. I'm a big proponent of accessible content when it comes to financial literacy. And some of these platforms is one thing I actually didn't like as much about Robinhood is that it was kind of a blank canvas and it was hard to really kind of understand uh, in anything in particular about the market. But there are other platforms like Stash that are out there. And then uh, third, uh, what can you generate on the side given the skills that you have today? And so for me, you know, that's through podcasting, sponsorship, speaking, but it's also through consulting. You know, so I've helped companies launch their podcast. I've helped individuals launch their podcasts and so i'm then taking that and then investing that into the market yeah and that's how I, and that's how i'm going about building and there will be more there will be more the other thing is that's all i have time for right now right <laughs> you know. right so listen um you know to your point like about
1: so you know you talk you talked a little bit about career and how to kind of like maximize the financial vehicle's that your job offers like what would you say are some of the bigger mistakes or, or things that we look when it comes to leveraging your career and leveraging the off the, the benefits your job has that folks you know again just oversights of folks make, and, and what advice would you have
3: yeah and uh, I leveraging the company's benefits I mean that's a whole topic in ourself maybe we can come back to that because uh, there are a lot of things that I have access to uh, and that probably many of us have access to that we don't even think about but I mean The first thing, honestly, fam, and it's even before folks get into the door, is a lot of us don't negotiate. And that's really the starting point. Even before you talk about how can you boost from the role that you have today when you're at the point that you have a job offer, or even if it's an internal transfer opportunity. I know uh, for a lot of folks, they get so, especially right now, they get so anxious and worried about the possibility that if they make an ask, that they're going to lose the opportunity. So they end up just accepting that role because they're scared it's gonna go away instead of asking for for more money. And there's a stat and you, you might know it. I haven't cited it in a while, but but the difference between asking for an additional uh, five thousand dollars at the beginning of your career in your first role over the course year out to be like half a million dollars. I've never heard of that before, but that makes a lot of sense. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's something insane like that. And then Uh, When people are within roles, instead of proactively managing one's, sometimes people wait to the point that they absolutely hate their job. And I've definitely been there where you're just like, yo, I just want to be out of here. And when you put yourself in that position where you wait to make a move uh, and you wait until the point that you can't stand and anything is better than where you are now, you've essentially given away your power. Because now when that next opportunity comes about going back to negotiation, once again, you're so desperate to get out of the situation that you're in today that you're going to accept whatever and you just want to leave. And so you're going to leave money on the table. I'm going to pause there right quick and then um, I'm happy to go on and talk about a couple other things.
1: No, nah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You already you also said something about just how folks are jumping into some of these like robo traders and tools um, that are really meant to be used. Right. And kind of just without any type of knowledge as to what they were doing. So I kind of first and then get back to career. Like when you say without any knowledge, but they're just jumping into them, like, what do you mean by that?
3: Yeah. And uh, I really noticed this at, at the start of the pandemic. And it was pissing me off uh, where everyone suddenly was an investment professional. You know, these uh, YouTube videos, these Instagram stories, everyone came out the woodworks trying to capitalize on the fear of folks that were out there. So lots of people doing is just taking advice from random folks online like yo now's the time to get in on toilet paper stocks or uh now is the time to buy zoom in which case zoom you know they've obviously benefited tremendously and and zoom is now just a word that is part of our lexicon going forward right uh similar to saying google but uh people a lot a lot of times i find that that people don't Kind of take that time to do research and understand yeah. exactly what it is that they're investing in. And, and I've done this myself, you know, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned um, an app stash, which I think it is very good about telling you what it is that you're actually uh, investing in. But I just went, I just put money in there. I threw it into things and I was like, let me see what happens. And there wasn't really any actual like thought process in or a, a strategy for how I was approaching investing. And for a lot of folks, they can start with a site like uh, Investia, which has Yo, Investia is fire. Yo, it is, man. It is. I mean, they've got a, a, a trading simulator. Pretty much any question you have about investing, you're going to be able to find an answer there. And so when I talk about people just diving in, it's kind of taking folks' advice and, and not understanding uh, what it is that they're- actually investing in and i'll give you an example man uh i I recently facilitated a a session with with some brothers about investing and uh, even when it comes to the 401k i i asked folks to give me a show of hands if they've actually looked at what their 401k investments are so that portfolio mix actually in there and a few folks did raise their hand but there were a number of people who never even looked at what's being invested in in their 401k and it could be as simple as let me log in. You know, I, I know I got this thing. Okay, I, I see VTI. I see this. I see these different symbols. Like, what does that mean? You know, I got bonds and this other stuff in here. What is that? So even just some of that fundamental education, I find that uh, a lot of people try to bypass that and get straight to making money without understanding the basics. And uh, there's just so much content out there nowadays through podcasts, through books that that make this type of knowledge more accessible. So. Establish that foundation first instead of just kind of jumping right in and, and putting your money out there and why you're putting it out there. But then also not understanding that you can just as easily lose money. You know?
1: And, you know, to that point, like I'm curious, you know, so something my dad would always tell me and he, and, when, and always he still tells me, I was like, look, don't invest what you're willing to lose. Yes. Right. Do not invest what you're not willing to lose. OK, so let's let's continue forward. You know, when you you talk about, you know, some folks make a jump when things are like really bad, as opposed to kind of, you know, navigating before that, like, give me some more on that. What do you mean by that?
3: Yeah. So uh, I found that and I've done this myself uh, where you know you're you're at a job at a job for 3 years and actually I had this happen this happened to me in um in 2013 where uh, I got to a point with the role that I was in to where uh I was living in New York City I was working in uh what was the old port authority building down in, in Chelsea the point where like at the end of the day I would see this long hallway and it would almost be horror movie esque and it would feel like this in the morning too where like the lights are flickering and it's just like oh man I got to go to this place again or leaving at the end of the day and I'm like, oh, I've got to go down this long hallway home and then come back to this place again. Like, How do I get out of here? I will do anything. And so what ended up happening is as I started looking at opportunities and interviewing, I wasn't thinking about uh, how can I put myself in the best financial position possible? I was just mm. thinking about how can I get into the next role? Like, h- mm. how do I get into the next thing? How do I get out of here? And uh, what I also didn't consider is that uh, at the time, I was working for a nonprofit company. And so nonprofits aren't known for paying the most money out there in these streets. And so to me, I kind of had this attitude a bit of uh, any increase is an increase where I am today. And with the next role I ended up accepting, which was the first company that I got an offer from, it felt like a a pretty big increase to me at the time. I think my my pay went up, you know, about 13 to 15 thousand dollars. But then what I discovered while working there and I can't remember how I discovered this is I I found out what the person in the role before me made. <laughs> it was obscene. <laughs> yeah. huh? Oh my gosh, bro. And they had less experience than I did, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, uh, and, and this is where like that whole, where people will get someone on a bargain if they can type of thing right. and, for as much as I knew about navigating the career streets and navigating interviews, like fantastic with that, but not put enough emphasis on making sure that uh, I get as much money out of it as I as I can when I'm making this change, even in terms of having a negotiation strategy. I really didn't have one at the time, to be completely yeah. honest. Yeah, you. yeah, Because the goal wasn't to put myself in a better financial situation. The primary goal was to get the heck out of this job and into a role that's going to make it easier for me to then move into uh, a larger tech company like Google. So ultimately I did end up where I wanted to, but yeah, man, that, that negotiation piece kind of goes out the window when people put themselves in that position where they wait till they hate it to get out there. You know, and it's, it's, it's interesting too,
1: because it's like, there's levels to it, right? So like, when you think about negotiating that bag, right, it's not just about you want to do some research on the role. You want to do some research on like the space, because it's not just also relative to what you're making now, but also relative to the market. Now, I'm always kind of like an advocate of, yo have a number in get number. But it's important to understand the market because you may have a number and you and without some awareness, you may not realize that that number that you have is still way too low. You know, what I mean, like, it's like oh, well, no, I, I'm gonna get, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand. It's like and it's you. That's a lot of money. But then you look into the market, you realize and this role pays four hundred thousand. But two hundred fifty thousand to you is like the most money you've ever seen. So it's a dub. It's a win. Right. But in reality, you took a loss because you're still not make you're not competitive with the market. And it's, it's not about pocket peeping. It's about like just, you know, understanding your worth and arguing from, you know, and really like negotiating from that perspective. But you don't always have that without,
3: you know, the information. So I'm curious, like, how did you even find that out? Yeah. I mean, one, the company's record keeping wasn't the best because I, I don't remember was it because I wasn't even looking for it. It was one of those things where I was, I was in like a drive folder or something. And I was like, Oh, what's this? And I saw the number, you know, I did kind of straddle between HR and, and staffing in that role, but yeah. still. Still, the fact that I was, (laughs) that's the only job where that's ever happened, except for the previous role where I just was an HR generalist solely. And that was my job is to do all the stuff with compensation and and, and increases and pay structure, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But what I wish I had done is I wish I had talked to more people who worked in the field. Hmm. And I did not do that. I did not have any conversations with people who were working as recruiters. I didn't have, I didn't go on LinkedIn and see who was in my network, who had went to a tech startup in an HR or a staffing capacity. Uh, I just wanted to get out. You know? Yeah. And I, I know that there's some, um, and I'm, I'm seeing this come up now where uh, they talk about millennials and people of color having more conversations about what they actually make and understanding what others are getting paid out there. And even if someone wasn't going to tell me what they made, just conversations with a few folks and hear yeah you know i've seen or we're seeing or typically folks are getting this even talking to somebody who recruits for recruiters if i look through my network i was probably connected to somebody or one or one trees away from somebody who i could have talked to to get a better understanding of what that looks like because i've had people come to me in uh the staffing capacity that i've been in and say yo like what does this pay what does this look like what can i expect and so i think the one one of the biggest things i would have changed if i could go back is i would have had more actual conversations because you know these comparably and salary.com like some of these sites like they give you a good starting point but they don't necessarily give you the real you don't get a little detail when you talk to someone who's actually doing that work and is out there in the field versus uh, w- with some of these sites, people can fudge the the numbers a bit. So, I, so I encourage folks, even now, uh, leverage a network and have actual conversations. And again, you don't got to ask somebody, "Yo, how I many, how much you make?" Because you, I mean, if you just started off asking me that, and I don't normally talk to you that way, I'm probably not going to tell you either yeah, that's to keep, tough. keep it yeah. all the way real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. There is a way that you can have conversations and get a sense of what people are paid out there. And there's also a way that you can talk to companies so that you're not just throwing a number out there right away. You're letting them throw a number at you first and then you go from there, which uh, and I, I'm not sure how it is in a, a lot of the other states, but, but in California, recruiters can't even ask you for like your, your salary history or anything like that. Right? They, they, they can't only ask for your expectations. Well, and, and, and they they cannot in
1: California, and frankly, like it's kind of is now becoming kind of frowned upon in, in general as the, as the work used to um, shrink right. Like those practices are, even though they're not they're not legally enforced, it's just you know, just good practice now. Um, you know, so to your point around you know having conversations, I you know I I do think the thing is that folks are able to realize that some of these systems and structures and like rules that we have, they're really built to maintain informal levels of control. Right. So when we don't have conversations about, pet, we don't have conversations about, you know, range and things of that nature, like frank, in Frank ways, again, to your point, not like, you know, you got to you, gotta, you know, build a relationship and ask those questions and, you know, in ways that make sense for that relationship. But, you know, it's important Like when you don't know and you operate in this place of ignorance, then, you know, you're working next to somebody who's making 40% more than you or vice versa. Yeah. Right. And so like, I know for me, it's like the more I think about it, it's like, you know, what is the point of me not telling somebody my salary? Like if, if we're cool and when I say cool, I mean like we're just not enemies. Like, you know, like I don't understand the point. Like How does my life tangibly change by you knowing what I make? And how does your life ch- tangibly change by me knowing what you make? I don't think it does.
3: Hmm. Uh, Tell me. You know, yeah, yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about it. And I totally get it. But humans are also emotional. And humans also have egos. And uh, I, I, I could imagine telling some people like there are some people I, I could tell and they'd be like, Yep. Yo, you or and, and not even in like a negative way. It was just kind of like a, yo, that's what's up. Yeah. But for other people, uh, I, I, I think it can actually create some divisiveness in a way. And I think there's a certain level of of maturity and, and trust that's required to even sure. be able to to have that conversation. Because yeah, I mean, there are people now where if I told people, um, you know, what my total compensation was, I do think that would change the way that they looked at me. <laughs> that would change the way that we, uh, interacted and they would expect that, uh, I would be contributing more to the various ventures and things that they have going on. Because, uh, as you know, for, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that's a big thing. And then, and then also when you, when you have those conversations and then you realize, uh, that you're the person who is 50% behind all your peers. There's being able to, to, to handle that. And that's why I say a level of maturity where you're like, crap, what am I doing wrong? And instead of dwelling on it, and you know what? It, it is okay to take a moment and be like, yo, I should be making way more money and not feel good about it. Like You've got to give yourself space for that. But then once you do receive that information, like, what are the steps forward to start correcting that? do you need to go and look at a new role are there things are are you spending too much money outside of work whereas you're surrounded by people who are making more than you but they're also spending significantly less or spending significantly more other adjustments you can make if you don't have the skills uh to be able to jump into that role that really pays you more right now or to jump into that same role in a different industry to increase your salary what are the things that you parent role or things that you need to start doing outside of work so that you can get those skills? Uh, and, and I know I'm now going off on a, on a tangent a little bit. But, yeah, man, th- those conversations, they're they're difficult. And I w- you actually made me wonder, I'm like, where did this whole thing even come from where uh, where we don't talk about salary? I feel like companies created that companies, like cre- salaries. companies created that. And everything
1: you said is uh, is right, like in terms of like, yes, it, it presumes a certain level of maturity and self-awareness, you know, self-assessment and things of that nature. I think there needs to be controlled spaces where we talk about salary and and your point around like Payscale dot com and Glassdoor and, and other platforms. Yeah, I mean, those things are OK, but they do fudge the numbers a little bit and they generalize in ways because um have <laughs> been in situations where by the grace of God, like I'll look at that little salary on Glassdoor and I'm always making more than those numbers. You know what I mean? Or pay scale or whatever the case is. And so it's like, it's like, man, have a with folks who can put you on, put you on game and give you, give you the knowledge and the insight that you need. I I mean, I also think about the idea of like, you know, again, it's not always one-on-one conversations. It could just be, it could be some group discussions. It could be even, maybe even a more transparent version of Glassdoor or something else. But, you know, awareness is important because here's the thing. Like, I just don't know if we would have the same issues with pay equity if everyone knew what we were making, because then folks would be able to organize and unionize to like demand flat wages across the board. Yeah, they make everything so individualized. So you end up kind of like, you know, we end up battling against each other. We're trying to like hide things from each other. We're not, you know, galvanizing to really
3: like engage the systems that create that can create these disparities. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get you on that, and I think some of the, the best conversations that I've actually had around this stuff have actually been at work, uh, through conversations with folks in um, in the Black Employee Resource Group, where you know we don't even we don't get specifically into what each other is making, but we have talked about compensation and just the different and even just fully understanding it and uh, and understanding like some of the variation between the different types of roles and talking even in ballparks has been helpful. But I realize also in my environment, being able to have those types of conversations, it's also been normalized. So even though we're not talking about our individual specific uh, numbers, there's kind of this element of of having that safe where it's like, all right, we're going to have some real talk about what compensation looks like here and people get stuck in not being able to get promoted. Uh, Also, you know, within the company, there are a lot of people who spin up like trickses where uh, folks can voluntarily input salary information and, and and things like that. So there is tremendous value in in, in having forums to these conversations, but it, it's the effort of of normalizing and and somebody kind of taking that lead role to say, okay, I'm going to be the person to tell that first story, or I'm going to model the type of experience that I want people to have when we're discussing these topics. And so even getting someone to kind of take that first step, I found that to be uh, kind of hard in settings outside of work. Uh, and honestly, I feel like for as much as like I observe these different things that could be fixed, because someone could be listening and say, yo, like, you know, you're pointing out all these things, what are you doing? And it's like, well, I'm doing a lot, I, but I can't do everything. I can't also be the person <laughs> out here setting up meetup groups and, and setting up, you know, chats and all of this other stuff. I got a lot going on. So I, I, I think we we do more folks who are, I think, ultimately comfortable, willing to be the first person to share that story, the first person to uh, share that information to then make others comfortable in and see that that's OK and that that's it's something normal to talk about.
1: You know, uh, you're 100 percent right. And I'm trying to figure out for me, it's like, you know, we're I think we're in this moment, man, you know, we're talking about like just these times where, you know, black and brown voices are continuing to speak up. And I just hope that, you know, we don't lose the momentum. You know, I'm already kind of feeling it yeah. dwindle a little bit. But I also know that, you know, protests and things continue to happen, um, even though even if they fall out of the mainstream media eyesight doesn't mean that. They're... And I'm hoping yeah. that that same attitude and that courageousness and frankly, beyond it, it's not like black folks just now discover courage. It's about the fact that, like, we're in a place now where white people are seemingly more open to listening. Yes. Um, and so I'm hoping that we continue to practice like courageousness in these spaces and boldness in these spaces. I think my pain point for me is like the hustle, man, the hustle of like black folks in corporate America and brown folks in corporate America. Like we get in there and we kind of I don't know, man, like the, the sense some of the things that are kind of intrinsic to black and brown communities, the communal collective spirit and organizing spirit that has sustained us for so, so long goes out the window when we walk in those corporate spaces, like we get very individual and you know, and I think like that's my, that continues to be like my pain point when it comes to, you know, collective freedom in this work, because a lot of us don't really want to be free. Like we just want to be white, which is like a different conversation for another time. But I do believe that it's like, you know, what does it look like to stand up and take a couple of stones for the sake of the people coming behind you? Like, what does it look like to raise your voice, and speak truth to power, share your story, share your actual story so that yeah. someone else can be encouraged by that and be galvanized to move forward? You may not be the one that touches 10,000 people, but you may reach the one who does.
3: Exactly, man. And you made me think of something else about going into work and being so individualized. I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience where I've had days at work where I didn't see like another brother for like the whole day. I've had multiple days at work where I didn't see another black person. And so I think when you get into corporate America or you get into the gig and you are the only one or one of the only ones, like you do feel individualized. It's not like, you know, you're catching up for lunch every day with you know, I look like you or you're regularly in meetings that, that look like you. And I have a lot of meetings where I'm one, the only a black person but then i'm also the only dude who's in the meeting and so it it, it does feel really in, individualized and i do feel and this will probably sound a little cliche, but i i do feel like the uh chocolate delegate sometimes man when i no, <laughs> when I, when, no when i'm I, right there with you Absolutely. yeah and, yeah yeah and so when you're focused on doing a great job subconsciously you feel like you've got the weight of the race You know, on your shoulders, which I know we shouldn't, but that's something that that we individually feel. And as achievers, we want to do a great job when where we spend the time 40 plus hours a week. We're not constantly seeing people that look like us. We're just trying to figure out how to deal with the people that we are working with and how to deal with that situation and how to come up, it is easy to forget about other folks and, and and how to lift as we climb. So I'm not excusing it, but it's, it's very easy for me to see how that happens.
1: No, absolutely. And I empathize, you know, I think, so the reality is we all have to do different things that we, we need to do to survive. Like I can't shame anyone for doing what it is that, you know, that they feel like they need to do to survive, but at the same time, not, but, and you know, I just, I get frustrated, you know, like in these moments, right? Like we're, we're not going to get the freedom, the collective liberation that we all need, even for those who don't want it. Like we all need it. Okay. We're not going to get it without stepping up a bit and continuing to do so and fighting like really fighting. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it sucks because sometimes the people that we fight look like us, they just happen to sit in these really high positions. Um, and they're too are moving from like these very individualistic perspectives, but you know, we have to knock them down too. So we can help collectively, which sucks, but that's the truth.
3: Well, let me say this, though, let me say this, because uh, I think it's it's really important. So that uh, enthusiasm and courage that that you're talking about, I see a lot of that around entrepreneurship specifically right now. Support black business. Definitely. Uh, Build your own thing. I've talked about it in terms of, you know, saying when we talk about extremes and side hustles. And I see a lot of energy around that start your own thing, get out the rat race, start your own thing. And I want to see that same level of energy around entrepreneurship. I want to see that same level of energy about folks who are in the workplace. I want to see that same level of energy about, you know, how do we get this promotion? How do we come up? I mean, I'm sure that's part of why your platform even exists. And, and I'm off of what I see, uh, online, honestly. And then, especially now, cause I'm not meeting up with people in person, but I want to see that same level of energy, passion around creating something. I want to see that around the same folks who are enjoying their job. Like they ultimately enjoy what they do. They've decided that working in a, in a corporate position is what they plan to do for the long term. That is completely fine. But I, I want to see more energy. Around how do we come up in the system and how do we make a uh, change within this system and not just specifically in the context of DEI work. And I, I think that's a critical distinction because there's enough brown people who I think are in DEI roles. And that's almost cliche where uh, I've actually had the experience where I've said I'm a recruiter and they're like, oh, are you on the diversity staffing team? And it's like, no, why do I got to be on the diversity it's, staffing and it's,
1: team And people don't see how, like, how wild insulting that is, too. So, yeah, it's like it's like, like, no, actually, no, I'm not. I just I'm I'm black and I take I bring all of myself to this job, which is recruiting, sourcing talent across the like, what are you talking back up, man? It's annoying. And you're right. Like, it's this idea of, you know, I never get one time I say, yo, where's the diversity? Where's the diversity on this panel? I asked. There was I never I'll never get this like over a year ago. I said I asked we had there was a work panel. I said, where is the diversity on this panel? And they said, well, this isn't about diversity and inclusion. I said, Yo. so, so black and brown people are only valuable on your panels when you're talking about diversity and inclusion? Yeah. Oh, I snapped. I, no, I snapped. I, I snapped. I snapped because I was like, I was like, that's wild race. You don't understand. You literally only see us as tokens to talk about us. You don't see us as just as our, like, as the reality, like the, by the very nature of our experience, lived experience in a space. We offer true diversity, right? Just bring us in these like, it's just so wild that you only see us only. T- so the only time you think that the spaces shouldn't be homogenous is we're talking about diversity and inclusion, quote unquote.
3: Yeah. So, you're so you
1: you compartmentalize diversity and inclusion over here. You don't see diversity and inclusion as intrinsic to just business. You seem yeah. like that's wild, bro. Like it, it literally, it pissed me off to the max. Like I was like, dog, I will never, ever, ever forget that exchange.
3: Yeah, that's rough, but it's unfortunately, it's a great example of the type of stuff that, um, that I'm talking about and that we're talking about. And we see this, not even just at work forums. I'm sure you've been to other conferences. Same thing where, uh, you know, industry trade shows, whatever it is, same thing where the only place you really get the diversity is on the DEI track. (laughs) And then when you go to those DEI sessions, what do the people in the audience also look like? Right. Right know,
1: it's just segregation, man. You know what I mean? That's the other thing, too, is like when I'm really focused on season and I've been focused for a while, but I'm continue to be focused on it is I'm bringing my ex- lived experience everywhere I go in any topic that I talk about because I'm, I'm me anywhere. I am me everywhere. Like I'm going to talk about my lived experience and how my lived experience informs whatever we're talking about, because that's my lived experience. And you yeah. know what? You should be empowered to do that, too, white person. Like, it's not just me. Like. It just so happens that I look at culture and life differently because of the way that this country and it kind of forces me to if I'm if if I'm in any way conscious. But it's wild to me, man. I think just the the general just how much further we have to go. And like, I think, you know, sometimes I just question how much of this questions. And you talk about like even like like and wealth, it's tied all into this It's just how much of this is us having to build within these systems and how much of this is creating pressure creating external pressures for these very systems and structures to change. And I think I'm I, I continue lean more to the latter, Rich, because I just I don't see it, man. I don't see these institutions changing without like wild, wild, wild pressure and shaming and like not even bullying them because you can't bully. Like, they're too big and strong to bully. But it's you have to push them. You have to push them to change.
3: Yeah, you really do. You really do, man. I, I will say that uh, I am seeing. Uh, as a result of stuff that's been going on, I am seeing a lot more efforts, meaningful efforts, I'd even say. But, of course, there's still a lot more to be done. And a lot of that pressure does come from the outside as well as the inside. But I also know that reality in the part of Silicon Valley is different than the reality that people outside of this bubble are facing. So, so ultimately, I'm totally with you on that, on that, fam. Yeah,
1: man, look, uh, this has been a dope conversation. We don't have a lot of black men that come on uh living corporate like in terms of like well, this is just this is very rarely the dynamic. Um We've had like a handful. A shout out to those who've been on. Um I just really appreciate this conversation. Before we let you go. Any parting words?
3: Or sh- I mean, parting words. Oh, that's a good one. I'm actually going to take a little pause here. I think I'm going to go back to the importance of connecting with people uh, and building relationships. I mean, throughout this whole conversation, we've been talking about connecting. We've been connecting uh, Brothers Connect and even the way I, I think we first came across each other. What I was like a couple of years ago? And oh, I think it started with like, Oh Yeah. Yeah. It was what through like a, a Facebook group exchange. That's right. Or Facebook, that's right. Yeah. And look at what that's turned into. And, uh, yeah. the other thing I'd say for me, when I went from being a headhunter in, in 2010 at a staffing agency to getting this role at the nonprofit at first, I thought I wanted to be an HR journalist and the reason that I got that role is because I got referred in because I had made it clear to my network that I was looking to move into an HR generalist position, and so when somebody heard one come up, heard about one coming up at their company, they thought of me. And uh, a lot of what's happened throughout the years has been the product of relationships and people that have lifted me up, and I've tried to do the same for others uh, as I've gone along. So even though we can't get in to build with people. Uh, I do think in some ways it's even a little bit easier right now to do it virtually, and it's more normalized to be able to do that virtually. So uh, don't let your networking hustle stop because I really think that there's a power than that, sometimes even more than the money itself. Man, 100%. 100%. Look, y'all,
1: you know what we're doing every single week. We have these conversations. Uh, we're going to continue to have these conversations, continuing to center and amplify Black and Brown people. Make sure you check out paychecks and we even get into paychecks and balances, but I'm gonna put all the information in the show notes. Make sure y'all check out paychecks and balances all about financial literacy, uh, really geared towards millennials. Y'all hear Richard's voice, rich voice, almost as nice as mine. So y'all know it's content over there. All right. So make sure y'all check them out. Look, we're all over Serena Williams internet. Just type in living corporate. I'm not going, I'm not going to rattle off all the domains. I will say, uh, y'all check out livingcorporate.tv livingcorporate.tv is our newest edition media offering for free, right? All visual media, a bunch of different web shows. Just check it out, man. Livingcorporate.tv, man. Just just, 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 type, just just, type it in, livingcorporate.tv. You know, just, just put it in there. And This has been Zach. You've been listening to Rich Jones, consultant, professional, public speaker, mentor, advocate. What else, man? Podcaster, uh, extraordinaire. All right. Peace. And we're back. Yo, Um, I just want to shout out Rich again. Rich Jones and that Paychecks and Balances platform was one of the many inspirations for like Live in Corporate's layout and frankly, its media approach. Um, so if you ever like look at Paychecks and Balances website and you compare it to Live in Corporate, you'll see some similarities. Like I really, really love how clean and to the point of his design is. And the fact that, like, if you go to Paychecks and Balances without even reading anything, you already understand what the vibe is. I love that. Shout out to Rich. Shout out to um, all the things he's doing. Really excited about just his work um, as they continue to grow. And I'm really excited also to have like a friend in this space and like a peer mentor. That's really cool. That's a new experience for me. Um, I think in this podcasting space, like podcasting is blowing up. And even black podcasting continues to be an ever-growing space. And I'm really thankful to have somebody that like I can vibe with. So again, I keep on using the word thankful because we're getting up on Thanksgiving, right? I'm thankful. Um, I want to make sure that I also take this time uh, to thank the team, Living Corporate. Man, like for those who have been checking us out, um, y'all know that we just finished up our first season of web shows. So we finished. So what do I do? The group chat. And the access point. Right. So what do I do is a bi-weekly or every other weekly show. Really asking, asking the question. So what do I do in various situations from the perspective of uh, aspirational allies to black DEI professionals, to white leaders dealing with ever uh, changing teams. And that's hosted by, Pamela Fuller and Daniel Martin. Great folks. Really thankful for them. Shout out to them. Shout out to the group chat, which is facilitated and hosted by Nubiana. Really thankful for all the work that she's been able to do. The group chat is a, uh, again, every other week live web show uh, where we have like panels and panel discussions with prominent diversity and inclusion, healthcare executives, psychologists, psychiatrists. I mean, we've had all types of folks on the group chat. Shout out to all of the guests that we've had. Thankful for y'all. And then we have The Access Point, which is a weekly show, and that's focused on preparing black and brown college students for the workforce. Really thankful for them. Really thankful for Mike Yates and BG or Brandon Gordon and Tiffany Tate. And of course, the Tristan Layfield um, who take their time and their precious energy and treasure and host this show that has impacted quite a few folks in a very short period of time. So I'm just really thankful for the team, this new, new teams that have come together to mobilize, to create a new media for Living Corporate. And I'm thankful for y'all, man. I'm thankful for y'all. This has been a really, really interesting and challenging year, a tiring year and exhausting year. Y'all have heard it in my voice. Y'all may hear it now because I'm still tired, right? I'm. I'm just I'm just like y'all <laughs> to be clear. Like, I happen to have this platform and we we come together and we create this content for you all. But, you know, I have a job just like y'all and I'm black at work. I'm one of the only at work just like y'all. Right. So when I speak on here and we talk about our experiences and I talk about my challenges or I talk about why it's important for us, I'm including myself in that us because I feel it. Y'all trust me, I really Really feel it. Um, Shout out to Neil Edwards, who continues to create an incredible podcast, The Leadership Range, our first podcast under the living corporate umbrella and the part of the network that we're continuing to build and develop. We have more content coming for you ahead top in January, and I just continue to be thankful for real. Now, before I get up out of here, I want to make sure uh, that I make sure I put my request in. Right. If you're listening to this. Now, there are a few ways that you can really support living corporate. Right. So the first way is tell a friend about us coming up on Thanksgiving. You know, I'm sure there's folks that you wish you could talk to things you want to talk about, but you can't because you're not in person. Maybe shoot them a podcast instead. Right. And maybe it's a way to start spark a a meaningful conversation. So that's a really good way that you could just help bless us on the free. Right. Like you ain't got to really spend any anything. Right. Just Just take the little share link and share it away. The other way you can help us is to get on uh, Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Give us five stars too. don't don't be a hater, right? Some people I see on here giving us four stars. Now, it don't really hurt nothing because our overall average is still five stars because we have so many ratings out. But I'm just saying, why do that? Why go on the app and press four? And certainly not three. Some of y'all come on now, right? give us the five stars. And then if you want to give us a sixth star, you could do that by giving us a review. Something something real cute. You no, know, none too long. None too short right in the middle. Um, but I appreciate you, too. I'm thankful for you for real. And if you are listening to this, I love you. I appreciate you. Stay, take care of yourself. Stay safe until next time. Catch y'all soon. Peace.